to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And now I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we are not reviewing any movie whatsoever. We're reviewing all the movies. A lot of the movies. <laughs> all the movies, yes. <laughs> well, to be specific, all of the movies from a certain period. Guys, as as we've discussed amongst ourselves and on the show even, some, some really strong movies have come up from like a few years in particular. One of those years was 1999. Seems to have been movie gold. A lot was going on culturally, uh, creatively, and I know we all have some thoughts on this. So before we get into kind of a kind of a draft discussion episode here, let's let's just talk about where we are with the year. Jamie, or would you like to lead us off there? Yeah, sure. Um, so last week I was um, desperately trying to <laughs> find a Keanu connection for Galaxy Quest, and uh, I wish that was that was some real desperation <laughs> by the end of that. <laughs> but um, but that, I came across a Ringer article, and you know I went to the Ringer for sports. I stayed for their movies. Um, and they, they, their movie reviews are awesome. Well, the movie articles and stuff. I highly recommend the movie section of the Ringer's website. Lots of really interesting stuff there. But um, talking about 1999 being the greatest year in movies, and they had a top 50 like list, and it was like really impressive. I was like, oh my gosh, these all did come out in 1999. It was insane. And, and so we got to talking about like so more off the air than on the air last time about like why. You know, why, you know, like, so like the, the two years that are usually debated for the greatest year in movies is 1939 and 1999. Well, 39, I mean, there's some obvious stuff going on in the world that, you know, probably bred some creativity, some desperation, some real hunger for the arts, that kind of thing. So we, we were, we want to, before we get into the draft, talk about some of the reasons that 1999 was such a, a time of like, you know, fermentation for, for creativity. So, um, and we we talked to like we, I think I think we talked this on the air a little bit last time about how the the Y two K scare and the uh, and all like the fear of Armageddon like everything with a microchip in it was going to stop working and and so that, that and those kind of periods of of you know societal fear like that and that kind of dread breeds a lot of creativity and I think it breeds some of the darkness there's a lot of darkness in the mm-hmm. movies that we're going to draft like we may love them but there's there's some grim stuff. In a lot of these movies, and um, I, I think that that's part of it is that that societal dread, and um, I th- but I think those times bring a lot of creativity. Like there's a there's a hunger for actual meaning, not just not just fluff, not just you know entertainment for entertainment's sake. We want things that really speak powerfully to us and have more depth to them than we want at other times. So I, I think I think that's a lot of the reason for the great quality of movies in 1999. Sam. You know, and I think with when you when you look at the list of movies that came out, um, you know, I, I do you know, applaud the creativity and those things, you know, but it's also, you know, it kind of hits they hit at that perfect moment. You know, I know for me, um, I was what, 24. So I was about 24 years old. Right. I'm making money. Finally, I can actually go to the <laughs> movies regularly. <laughs> So a lot of these movies I saw because it was like, I got monies. I can't go to the movies, you know, kind of deal. And, and, and I think a lot of them really imprinted on me on what I feel ever really feel to even today kind of set the tone for a lot of things that came after. Yeah, definitely. Uh, You know, during this time, like, like Sam said, you know, we could choose ourselves to go to the movies because we had just, you know, not necessarily maybe disposable income, but we had income that was our own. We didn't have to worry about going with our friends or with our parents to a place. You know, these were choices that we were able to make. Yeah. So, of course, this is going to leave a big impact on us. But, you know, I was thinking, too, about the cultural side of this. You know, not only you had the Y2K scare, you know, we were coming up on the turn of the millennium. If everything didn't break, we would be traveling in vacuum tubes and floating cars, you know, by the year 2000, if you guys grew up when I did. Uh, so, you know, there was supposed to have been this large technological leap forward. Um, and I think a lot of these movies were really taking 
um, and pressing the the uh, the view of society in the place of technology and what it meant to be alive during this era. Uh, you also talked to the, about the grittiness, Jamie, you know, and, and I remember, you know, of course, this is the end of the 90s. You're having the now, you know, not only the this dissolution of you know heavy metal but the dissolution of that your grunge is starting to dry up and become kind of funky you're getting some really raw racy uh, dark comics and and stuff happening uh, during this time so you know it's like the whole entertainment in society shifted from a you know a sugar glaze to a more real cracked dirty surface I think I think you look I think you look throughout history. You know, every one of those big millennial turnovers happens. Like things get weird. I mean, there's like weird stuff that happens historically. Mm-hmm. And I, I think like I mean, even like grunge itself, I, I think I think is there's some oddness there. Yeah. Um, um some like a like despair, some you know, some real, you know, grim worldviews there. And then there's like the meaninglessness of like the the nihilism you feel in so much of like, um, I, I don't want to smash, I'll ask, you know, bash all that music because I like because I was I mean I was nineteen twenty years old at the time I was listening to all that music, <laughs> but uh, but like I mean there's there's real dark stuff there like Tool, I mean yeah. there's 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 a real, at the same time there's like the despair there's like everything is hopeless and meaningless there's also this yearning, for something to mean something and so there's there's a real sort of foment of a lot going on at the time but i think also yeah. like technology was making a big leap forward yeah. there was a lot of experimentation with stuff mm-hmm. um pixar was really blooming um you know george lucas was doing you know brand new amazing things with technology maybe not making the best movies doing amazing things with technology though <laughs> right and there's yeah. a lot of experimentation um the wachowskis were doing you know impressive stuff there's a, there's a there was a lot happening there was this huge leap forward at the same time and so it was, yeah. it was this perfect blend of all of these societal and personal motivations blending with a t- technological leap forward. And yep. I made for that, in my opinion, and I, <laughs> I gr- there's been a whole book written about the great, the greatest movie in 1999. There's the top 50 thing on the ringers. I agree with them. I, I do. I do think it is the best year in movies. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Well, and with that being said, you know, let's go ahead. I think we should go ahead and just leap headlong into this draft as you will this don't want to say countdown but this view of of some movies that really reach out and and and, and meant a lot to us i know we've we've hit quite a few so guys are we going to just throw some stuff at the wall or do you want to go best to worst or worst to first how do you want to tackle this i know we had talked a little bit beforehand but okay, okay i know i know we're drafting i think we should try to do best to worst that's the worst. Ooh. Yeah. I think okay. I think we should aim for the top. Okay. Well, mm. I'll tell you what. I go I go first uh, uh, with the order that had been decided. And and I don't know if it's the best, but I know it is what I was looking most forward to in 1999. Probably, probably all the way from 1983. <laughs> To 1999. So I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there <laughs> because it really was the most anticipated thing for me this year. It kind of eclipsed everything else. And I had to go back and revisit a lot just because George Lucas <laughs> stole my money with Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. You know, and like you, you, you'd spoken to earlier, you know, the technological advances he'd done, you know, the, the, the CGI characters, the battle droids, uh, all of the effects, all of the, you know, digital incorporation into a shooting. I think this was the last Star Wars movie shot on film because he realized after this, if I do it all digital, I don't have to convert from analog to digital now, you know? <laughs> so he saved a step. Um, I'm pretty sure this is the last Star Wars movie shot on film before uh, that turned. So my my dra- my first pick is going to be Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Just because it was such an impactful movie for me for that time. I can't believe that gets the number one spot. It was barely on my draft board. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, my favorite memory. I've got two great memories. I stood out in the rain waiting on tickets. 
Okay. The guy in front of me was speaking Rodian the entire time. Okay. <laughs> and then coming out, the guy behind me was like, huh, I wonder what happens to that Anakin guy. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so there was a range. Two, be- two best memories. Two best memories of that. <laughs> That's great. Wow. There was a range. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to win the draft, and I'm going to go the Matrix. And I I think that it is an absolutely groundbreaking movie. I think it's probably the most influential movie of the year. Um, I I don't think you can make an action movie that involves martial arts in any way and not consider the Matrix, like how how you're going to do what it did and try to push it forward, how you're going to be different so you don't look like the Matrix. Um, I, I think you can feel the influence and everything from you know, everything everywhere all at once, um, all over the place. And it's not and it's not just the the martial arts. It's the 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 bullet time, though, like so, some of the technology they did. Um, movies looked different. I still they, I think they still look different because of the Matrix. Yeah. And and the societal influence. So people talk about getting red pilled today and red pills. I probably don't even know what the what the reference is. Um, some of them, and uh, this movie I think has just gotten really steeped in our culture, and so I, I think the Matrix is is the in uh, the in the greatest year of movies, it's it's the the movie of the year, and also Keanu's the man. There you go, there you go. All right, I, I, you know, guys, it, I, I love that you did this because when when I'm looking at my kind of top ten, you guys took number one and, and number three. Right off the bat, number one and number three for me. So I've coming back with my number two as my first pick because this movie really did have a huge impact on me and the way that I think movies could story could be told. And that is the sixth sense. Mm. So M. Night Shyamalan's first kind of real foray in the movies. He brings in Bruce Willis. Um, you know, this was a very different Bruce Willis role. Um, like I said, this this played with story in a way, you know, that 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 I think tries to sometimes be done today, but it just can't do it. It's been done. There's no going back. You know, sitting there in the theater when you finally realize the punch, and it's like, oh my gosh. And then at that time, there is no streaming. There is none of this. So you had to either go back to the theater and see it again to see where were the little things that I didn't pick up on. Or, you know, you just rewatch it from time to time now and go, yeah, I see that now. <laughs> yeah, there's a turn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this was the introduction of the Shemalamalan twist, um, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, so, yeah. And, and that was a brilliant thing. You know, it was... A, a, shift in storytelling Uh, just like the matrix was it was a change in the dynamic of the way stories were presented to us number four on my board so we've taken number one number four and number 18 off my draft (laughs) (laughs) all right well next so uh, listeners do remember jamie's a little younger he wasn't exactly part of that star wars generation (laughs) I missed the window. Still love the wars, but I missed the window. That's right. I missed the window. Oh, where do we go next? Where do we go next? I have so many great potentials. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with uh, another storytelling uh, shift uh, in uh, the way films are presented. Uh, Fight Club. Yeah. Brad Pitt, Ed Norton. And then you realize what's going on. But you know. First rule of Fight Club. But we can't talk about Fight Club. So does that mean we have to move on? <laughs> <laughs> well, I will go ahead and turn in my, my nerd card. Because I can't talk about Fight Club. Because I've never watched it. <laughs> um, Jamie, when we finish recording. Uh, just uh, We're recording virtually. <laughs> Uh, Jamie, I know you're not feeling the greatest right now, but I think oh we need to make a, I think we need to make a trip. Never. I think we need to make a trip and uh, beat our friend down. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Nope. Never watched it. So well, well I work in a basement. We can arrange some things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't want to mess up that big screen television, sir. <laughs> just just remember you're not your khakis. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's not just your nerd card. That's your man card, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Listen, when you hear some of the movies on this list, you're probably going to be like, you were a weird dude in 20. <laughs> I mean, you have meatloaf with man boobs. <laughs> I mean, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> wow. Well, okay. I don't, I don't have an articulate thought about that anymore. Uh, I'm just blown away. So, Jamie, are we going to continue the show with just me and you now? Wow. I think you should lose a draft choice over there. It's like we really <laughs> have made working with Sammy over these past few years, but unfortunately, <laughs> due to unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> wow. Well. All right. Moving on from that tra- travesty that just happened. Um, I'm going to go with my second choice. A rarity for me. I'm not an animation guy. I like when the pictures don't move in my comic books. When the pictures move, we get in trouble. Um, the Iron Giant. On my list. I love mm-hmm. the Iron Giant. On the list. Yep. It's an absolutely fantastic movie. It's got the old school style art. Um, beautiful. Beautiful. And... Honest to goodness, I'm afraid to watch it with other like my dudes at work because I'll I, I dissolve into a sobbing mess by the end of that movie. Mm-hmm. I have I have never watched it without crying like a hungry angry baby. Uh, <laughs> but it it is a really powerful movie about the power of friendship of sacrifice. I mean it's it's just a I mean and it's like our first introduction to Brad Bird and all the good stuff he was going to bring us. And so yeah, Iron Giant has to be on this on this board. Yes. Very well deserved. Very well deserved. Beautiful movie. My actual number two. Awesome. Sam, against better judgment, it's your turn. <laughs> yeah, th- this is Beauty. where things. These are where things go off the rails, guys. Remember, I picked for what was most influential for me at the time. You've got to re- remember, this was twenty-something, Sammy, who who was like the artsy person right so my number two actually not my number two but i guess my second pick here is man on the moon with jim carrey biopic for andy kaufman um you know when i've you know i was jim big big jim carrey fan at the time obviously and so, you know, I'd seen all the old SNL stuff with Andy Kaufman. I didn't know a lot beyond that. You know, I knew the Mighty Mouse skit and, you know, all those little things like that. And I just, I, I loved that. I, I always got cracked up with that. And when I saw this movie and just saw the depth of it, you know, I didn't know the whole weird wrestling stuff and all, all those weird off the wall things that, that, that Kaufman went with. Um, even to the point at one point I had told everybody at the and when I died, I wanted, you know, in a friendly, friendly world played at my funeral. I mean, it was that impactful for some for some reason at that moment. Yeah. Uh, I was like, that that has to be played at my funeral. You know, so <laughs> Well, the depth that Carrie went to in that role and what he brought out with Kaufman and what we didn't realize Kaufman had left us as a legacy, you know, to comedy and and even faith and you know the the just weird worldview uh, was really impactful. I, I don't think a lot of people. I think this was one of the first movies that you know we didn't know what we were getting. You know, it's and it's in this time where you had you know all these shifts in storytelling, Fight Club, Six Sense, mm-hmm. you know, all these things. Yeah, I, I think great, great movie, good pick. I don't think it's the weirdest choice as you think it is. Yeah, it's good. Okay. We'll allow it. Thank you. We'll stay on, we'll stay on the show. <laughs> one, one, <laughs> one, one, one health point back. Okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> all righty. Um, I'm going to go with a, a movie that is kind of a, kind of a really, I, I, I think of it as a small movie, uh, but it, 
I don't know how big of an impact it has. It's really kind of a local movie to where we are uh, in, in, the, in the greater region. Um, taken from a book uh, of, a, of a gentleman from uh, Welch, West Virginia, who went to work for NASA. Toby McGuire. Mm-hmm. The book was the Rocket Boys. They couldn't use the Rocket Boys title for whatever reason, but they changed it to October Sky. And this is just a great movie about how you know someone can rise from you know financial, uh, you know, really tough situations, and not a lot of understanding in the area for what he was doing mathematically. Uh, you know, experimenting with these rockets. Uh, then going to college, getting the degree, and then going to work for NASA, you know, putting, you know, Sammy, you said putting the man on the moon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's just a really beautiful, heartfelt movie. Mm. I've anybody, never else have, anybody else have REM playing in their head right now between Absolutely. my pick and Dwayne's? <laughs> if you believe. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay, where do I want to go? Because I want to win the draft. <laughs> uh, well, come on, I, I know, I know it's, I know it's recent. Um, I can't help uh, Galaxy Quest, man. Oh yeah. And we've all, we've, we've unpacked how much we love that movie. It's in the Ring of Honor. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's basically a perfect movie. I mean, every, every beat works. Every performance is, at the very least, solid. Most of them stellar. Um, yeah, Galaxy Quest, an amazing movie. Yeah, never give up. Never surrender. Never surrender. See <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. So um, this is this was going to be interesting. I, I think besides the the uh, the Fight Club admission, this will probably definitely get me kicked off. Um, so despite the fact that Jamie has an allergy. To Tim Burton, uh, <laughs> Sleepy Hollow has to be on my list. Uh, Johnny Depp, uh, once again, it's just that weird, quirky storytelling with a twist of the Headless Horseman and Washington Irving's tale. Um, I was just, I was just in a hundred percent. But you got to remember, I was that guy. I was, I was a Burton fanatic at this point. So uh, Sleepy Hollow definitely fits for me. I, I like exactly one Tim Burton movie. It didn't come out this year. <laughs> Mars Attacks is the only one I can stand. Attack, attack. That's, that's great, yeah. That's hilarious. But yeah, I remember uh, this movie uh, quite vividly. Uh, uh, very cool, very um, atmospheric, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, that that Tim Burton gothic vibe that uh, that you have grown to love and you know of course you have to, to dip weird weirdness so and, yeah. and, and i think this is is this where the Depp christina ritchie thing happened where now tim burton cast has cast them with you know along with uh what is it helena bonham, helena bonham carter like in yeah. every other thing yeah yeah totally I, I think that that that's where this trend started maybe <laughs> yeah oh yeah completely completely <laughs> the golf pantheon all right well as we go into our midpoint of the draft uh if if, if my math adds up on round five correct gentlemen i did not major in math okay i think so (laughs) i was told there would be no math but somebody has to count um speaking of math i'm going to go with uh, a movie with a big number in its title. And this is a movie that, that deals with, you know, the meaning to be alive, what it means to be a, 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 a sentient being, a person, what, what have you. Robin Williams' Bicentennial Man is a beautiful, beautiful story. And, a, and I love Williams. When he's funny, I love him even a little more maybe when he's not funny, when he's when he's doing some heartfelt stuff. And he really, really nails it. I haven't seen that since 1999. I, I, I remember liking it, but there's almost nothing about it. Yeah. I, I need to revisit that one. 
Yeah, I, I I was thinking it too as I was doing the list. I'm like, I really need to watch that again because it's been it's been a while. It's it's yeah. been a minute, but uh, yeah, I really needed need to revisit that. <laughs> We're getting old. Some of the neurons ain't firing as good as they used to. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Well, let's just say I'm glad I wear a name tag at work. <laughs> okay. All right. Office space. On the list. Yep. I On think, the list. Yep. Galaxy Quest is a better movie. Office Space is the funniest movie. Oh my gosh. Movies. Oh my gosh. It's so We great. could start quoting lines now and we would do it longer than the movie lasted itself. Especially mm-hmm. if you've ever worked. I mean, it, it, even in general oh, yeah. with people, but especially if it's even been like a remote office setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so there. Um, but yeah. Office space is is so hilarious and is so correct for the working uh, for the working world. And I love that you know it was our Labor Day episode one year. Yes. Yes. Yep. (laughs) And anytime a piece of technology goes sideways, you know what's the reference? You know we're gonna take it down the field. field. You know it's like it's it's your go to, right? Yep. Oh, I don't know how many people have my stapler. No. Exactly. <laughs> I have that stapler on my desk. Red, I have a red swing line stapler. Same here. Same here. <laughs> and anytime, well, I've, I've showed office space to the guys in, in my warehouse. And anytime something bad goes wrong, one of us will mumble, I can set the building on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, gosh. Love it. All right. So at this point, I've, I've done a lot of movies that are kind of weird and quirky and kind of heavy, maybe a little bit. So I'm going to go with an off the wall one. Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. On the uh, list. Mike Myers, not that Mike Myers. Don't get confused. So <laughs> that, that happens sometimes. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, seeing this and seeing, you know, once again, going back to that SNL connection with with Mike and then going forward into some of his characters and with Austin Powers. I mean, like I said, it just hit at the perfect time for me. Time. Just the goofy humor, um, you know, all the little beats, the Dr. Evil stuff. I mean, I still put my pinky to to my lip when I'm looking at students and going and smile at them and go, I'm evil. You know, <laughs> I, I still do it. They don't get it, but I still do it. It made that kind of impression on me, right? <laughs> and every time I say the word million, I want to say it like yeah. million. One million. One million dollars. Million. <laughs> I mean, I think for years, people just went, yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. They were doing some uh, construction at uh, at a place I had worked, and they dug a big trench, and it had come a rainstorm and filled the trench up with water. So I went and asked my boss if we could get some sharks with laser beams. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, this just for the cultural impact, all the crazy sequels that that done, you know, that's that's a great addition to the list. But yeah, if that, you were alive in the year 1999 and you're between the ages of like 15 and 40, everyone saw the Austin Powers movies. Oh, yeah. Everybody saw Everybody them. saw them. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's certain, like I said, certain lines from even the sequels, you know, get in my belly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's so many of those that yes. just stick with you. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, Jamie, I'm going to allude back to a, a movie that you had named uh, earlier uh, with a character that was in there that's in this movie I'm going to name right now. Stephen King's Departure, but another prison movie, The Green Mile. Um, Michael Clark Duncan, Tom Hanks, Sam Rockwell, all the other guys in there that have are in everything else that you've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Jingles, uh, you know, James Cromwell, gosh, uh, everyone. Yeah. Such, such a great movie. I mean, L- Lieutenant Dan, uh, you know, even. 
and just beautifully shot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just a fantastic looking movie. Yeah. And Boss, really, I'm tired. Yep. Use that, use that, that, that line a lot. And just such a departure for Tom Hanks, such a different role for him. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, this was on the heels of, uh, Forrest Gump and, you know, uh, Castaway, you know, his, his big foray into drama from mm-hmm. comedy, you know, and he really, you know, stretched and shown what, what a, a phenomenal actor he was. Makes the first snipe of the draft. That's where I was going next. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> you let me have the Matrix. I'm not mad. I yeah. can't. I can't get mad. Well, I've, I've got some weird ones just because they mean a lot to me. I'm going to try to bolt, pull in the last last little bit, so I don't think there'll be much more sniping from my account anyway. Well, I'm going to make sure I don't get sniped. I, I, there's one movie I want to make sure it gets mentioned because it was such a fun movie and has one of my favorite actors, and I'm so glad he's getting a Keanu style renaissance right now but i love the mummy um yes and, and i i had loved brendan Fraser's like smaller movies before this like you know you know school ties with honor with honor all, all these all these really cool like small you know, just act, you know drama like he was a, like an actor actor i mean he wasn't like he wasn't doing action movies he wasn't like being funny he was doing drama which is wild then it being like george of the jungle and all the crazy <laughs> so stuff he did Cino man yeah that's wild yeah, yeah. with Polly shore <laughs> yeah and then, then but then he does like action he does the mummy like he's an action star like it's yeah. funny but he's, an, he's like a real big action movie and it's really good and it's just you know you know from the opening moments to the very end it's a it's a good time it's a fun yeah so it's, it's a fun movie fun. it's incredibly entertaining and and that movie just pulls you in and you forget about the world for its entire runtime and you're just sucked in and you escape whatever's going on in the world. Yeah, I agree entirely. And then he turns around and pulls a Tom Hanks, you know, Robin was really dramatic with, you know, the whale recently. Yeah. yeah. You know, I can't, but it was a deadly do right in the middle of it. Though. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like he said in George of the jungle. So. Oh, God. You know, growing up as a Universal Monsters fan and watching all of those movies, you know, the idea of the mummy, I was so into it. I couldn't wait to see what they were going to do with that. Um, You know, I mean, maybe some of the sequels, Scorpion King, things like that, maybe wasn't as grand. But uh, the mummy was it was on my top 10. I'll be honest. It was in my top 10. And at the time, the effects looked awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've watched it recently, they don't look that great. (laughs) <laughs> but at the time, it looked it looked fantastic. Yeah. All right. So I'm trying to decide if there, I've got another comedy on here that's really important to me, and then I've got a off the wall one that probably a lot of people haven't seen, but it was really important to me. We can um, do another round, can't we? Yeah, we can. We can. We can yeah, do some, another round. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go go with the the off the wall one. Um, you know, I've I've always been a big fan of, of mythology and especially Norse mythology. So I went the Thirteenth Warrior. Oh, it's on my list with Antonio Banderas. Um, yes. To to have a almost like a modern take of Beowulf. You know, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, plus it got, it felt very Norse Viking mythology. They really brought that Anglo-Saxon vibe to it. Um, so, I mean, even when I first saw it, I just, I fell in love with that movie. Um, I'd always, like I said, loved the story Beowulf in college when I read it, stuff like that. So it just kind of highlighted that for me. Yeah. Yeah, That's a forgotten movie. And I, it's a shame because it it is a really good movie. Really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was on my list. Yeah, It was on the list. Thank you, Sammy, for taking care of that for me. Um, As we go into round number seven of 10. Of 10. Oh, we're going 10. Yeah. Yeah. That's what what, the, Thought that's what let's do it. I'm in. Let's do it. I'm in. Yeah, I, have, I have 20 movies here. Um, so. Okay. I'm in, man. I've, I've yeah. got a big draft board. I'm yeah, ready. Yes, and, we, and we've already, we just passed six. So we're on seven now. So we're starting seven. Um, I'm going to go with a movie. Oh, goodness. Do I want to go popular or do I want to go weird? Let's go weird. Okay. We're speaking of weirdness. I'm going to throw out what would you think of this cast? Billy Bob Thornton, 
Kate Blanchett, Angelina Jolie, and John Cusack. Along with a bunch of other B actors that have been in everything else. There's a little movie called Pushing 10. It's about a group of air traffic controllers in New York. They're managing the three airports right in that small area. Um, Billy Bob Thornton's the weird, cool newcomer. John Cusack's the cool guy on campus. And they clash so hard. And the comedy is so much fun. I love it. And especially to know how weird Billy Bob and Angelina got after this. <laughs> and to see Galadriel as a, as a you know, as a New York housewife, <laughs> you know, in the suburbs. <laughs> I, I love this movie. It's so fun. It's, it's, it's just one that I think deserves a little attention. But Pushing 10. Well, I didn't see it for obvious reasons. <laughs> Yeah, why, why not too much vanilla in, in the term human vanilla? <laughs> you get that, Jake? Yeah. Why? Yeah, why? Why would you not have seen it, sir? <laughs> Although you you saying Kate Blanchett was doing a Brooklyn accent movie it makes me want to watch it. Oh, it's hilarious! <laughs> if, if you've seen it, it's hilarious. Yeah, she doesn't have a large role, but, but what she's in, she chews up the scenery as as John Cusack's wife in this. And, and and to give you an uh, when he's driving home he's like you know spinning you know just just driving as fast as he can past the cars going across the bridge gets into Long Island pulls into the suburb backs into the wrong house has to look and every house on the street is identical they look exactly the same the only difference is the curtains and he's like oh and he backs into the correct driveway <laughs> and he gets out and goes in. I'm at least going to go watch some YouTube clips of Kate Blanchett doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. All right. You, you're leaving gold laying around, man. I'm oh, going I know. Toy Story I know 2. Know I am. Toy Story 2. Uh, the oh, rare sequel, better than the original. Yes, totally agree. The, the animation uh, leveled up. The it's and I think it was I think this movie was the moment they perfected the ability to make you cry in five minutes mm-hmm. to introduce a brand new character and make you cry about that character in, in a heart. Just a the, minute. The scene with Jesse. Oh my god! When you see that whole oh story. My god. Oh, I'm gonna turn- go. I gotta go <laughs> right now. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, but it, and it it is maybe still the best Toy Story. My favorite of the franchise, yeah. hands down. Three, They're all good. Three's good. One's yeah. amazing. Four, yeah, it's good. But two, hands down, my favorite. Mm. Have you seen it, Sam? Please tell yes, me. I, it. Yes, okay. yes, yes. I, I have Please. seen that one. Come on. I got to yeah. check with you sometimes. I know. <laughs> I, I, it's hit and miss sometimes. But yes, Toy Story 2 for sure. Um, I, I felt a little um, called out by that movie, though. As a collector, especially a toy collector at that time, I felt a little called out, okay? But, nonetheless, (laughs) but yeah, the interjection of of Jessie was just, she's what that story needed. You know, that that franchise needed Jessie. You know, and, and, and it is the more interesting Cusack, right? Jamie, so absolutely, so much. <laughs> I love much. Joe, uh, as 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 wishy washy, whatever you want to describe it. My feelings on John Cusack, Joan Cusack. I have like the utmost respect. I, I love Joan Cusack. She is amazing. If she's in it, I'm in. She steals every scene, scene she's in. She's 100 percent the best Cusack. Yep, <laughs> I love it. You're talking about uh, collecting Sam, feeling called out. I um, have gotten a few Funkos. And, and a few items just floating around, not very many. And I was debating whether I should take the, my items out of the box or leave, it, or leave them in the box. And I had agreed to myself, if I can find a, a Funko of the uh, of the old, what, what was his name? The Prospector. Mm-hmm. If I could find a Funko of the Prospector, I was going to leave him in the box and take everyone else out of the box. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> See, see, you got to remember. Remember, we've already mentioned episode one was coming, came out, right? So that was on the heels of the Power of the Force line, and I had two and three of every action figure: one to open, one to keep in the box, and one to put up for value. All right. Wow. 
I think I gave away most of them for a quarter apiece. <laughs> but at the time. At the time. Time to find. Yes, right. Oh, that's great. Like I said, felt a little cold out there. All right. Um, Big Daddy. Adam Sandler. Yeah. It's fun. Gotta go Big Daddy. Tons of fun. I just, you know, can, can you tell I watched a lot of SNL in my <laughs> teen years? So I followed a lot of, of those the, those comedians. So Big Daddy, though, to me is the high point of that, that Adam Sandler. I do like Happy Gilmore. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, but you know, Big Daddy, just him interacting with that kid, Frankenstein, uh, it's just it's just so good. You know, I, I think I think it's got some of the best little moments, like little yeah. jokes, like like when they're shop, like when they're grocery shopping, and he's showing the kid how to dent cans so the cost lives. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've joked in the in the grocery store about you know let's dent these cans, you know, and like and when the kid would spill something, he wouldn't clean; he just put like newspaper over it. Yeah. <laughs> when our kids, when my, when my kids, little, I wanted to just I told him like we just put we just put newspaper. Paper. Over it. Yeah, yeah. All these little jokes; they had the best little jokes of any yeah. family. I, I still can't pronounce hip hip hop hip hop anonymous. <laughs> I still can't. <laughs> Every time someone says hip hippopotamus, I want to I want to go there. <laughs> yeah, that was a good choice, Sam. That was good. That was great. Okay, you're leading back around to me for round eight. Instinct. Instinct. Anthony Hopkins, Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh. Biologist studying gorillas goes off the deep end, really understands what it means to be alive. Great, great movie. I was making a face at you, Dwayne. My, my computer went crazy. Okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know if something was going on or if it was my choice. I was like, how do you, how are you showing shade at that? But no. <laughs> no, yeah. it's good. Two, two phenomenal actors in a phenomenal story. Instinct. Yeah. All right, guys, I got to do it. I got to bring the sports ball in. Oh, uh, here we go. A little guy from Dawson's Creek started in Varsity Blues. Varsity Blues, oh. yeah. Yep. Small town Great. football. Yeah. And I think all of us growing up in small towns that loved their high school football, uh, I think we, like, there's a lot of truth in that movie. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And it just, I think, just a well, just a good movie. It's well done, but also there's like, yeah. And it really started so much, you know, with Friday Night Lights and the whole, you know, any, any you had any given Sunday, uh, you know, come around, yeah. Yeah, they had some draft board. All right. Well, I'm going to do take your your varsity blues, Jamie, and I'm going to give another sports ball twist because of all the movies I've I've given you, it's kind of strange, kind of weird, but I love baseball. In 99, it's during that big run, the New York Yankees, Derek Jeter is a shortstop. So any baseball movie, I'm there, okay? For the love of the game with Kevin Costner. Mm, Shutting down the mechanism, right? And that was the best part. It got into the mind of, of him as the pitcher and what you have to do to shut out everything and just laser focus. It was just such a different type of, of look at baseball, you know, and, and the players themselves. So, you know, going for the love of the game. Yeah. I I, I know I know probably Field of Dreams is the better actual movie. Bull Durham is probably the most entertaining of his sports movies. <laughs> but my favorite is for love of the game. Mm-hmm. I think there's emotional depth in that yep. one that he doesn't usually put in his sports movies. Agree. Mm-hmm. And see that. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, I want to be the nerd and bring it back around to comic book movies. Sort of a comic book movie. Sort of a spoof satire parody of Mystery Men. I love Mr. <laughs> Such a great look at at the superheroes and just how absurd. <laughs> I was trying to explain me and me me and my department head are the almost exactly the same age. And the and the other two guys that I work with are both like twenty two. And we were trying to explain mystery. <laughs> <laughs> so was it the Avengers or Sticks? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, there was the boulder. And then there was a white guy called the Raja who dressed like... <laughs> just, it's so crazy. It's just it's insane. Yeah. Love, way ahead yeah. of its time. Oh, yeah. Way. Oh, yeah. I would love to find that movie. I've not seen it in years. Love it. It's so good. Man, I... And like the scene where they're auditioning new team members. I mean, <laughs> I could watch that on a loop. <laughs> you know, you know what I see us doing later tonight is going to our records and adding to the watch lists. Yeah, really. <laughs> I remember this movie. Yeah. Well, you, you know what? That that idea of the weird comic book character that that did really fit in with the teams and stuff like that. I mean that that was been a big thing. The 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 Legion of Substitute Heroes were a huge part of, you know, a Legion of Superheroes lore. Mm-hmm. And that's where you really first get characters like Arm Fall Off Boy and and and, and you know <laughs> those types of characters. <laughs> so. All right. Um I'm going to take it back to comedy, and 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 I think just because once again this hit hits me right in that time that that perfect storm. So I'm going to go with a little tale that led into band camp, and that's American Pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just for what it did for uh, for band nerds alone. <laughs> <laughs> And that's and, another and, one. Everybody saw. Even if you want to admit it now, everybody yeah, saw everybody that movie. Everybody saw that movie. And, yeah. and, and to this day, when the people I work with, if their kids are in the band, I look at them and go, "And one time at band camp, I was trying to be quiet." Like so, your son's playing the tuba, huh? <laughs> was it Sammy skipped me? I'm gonna go now. Yeah. Did I? I'm so sorry. That's okay. okay. That's it's okay. okay. What I'm going with, nobody would have picked. There's no way you're gonna snipe me. Absolutely no chance anybody else is picking Deep Blue Sea. Oh, there you go. I love Deep Blue Sea. It's a it is the 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 most B movie of anything we're gonna draft tonight. It is. There's some real dumb stuff. There's some you turn your brain off and try to enjoy this scene kind of scenes in this movie. Um it is way too big a deal that a shark can swim backwards in this movie. Um <laughs> But like so, the whole the whole and like nobody nobody on this like nobody's not speaking on this podcast like who's not on the air right now has seen this movie is <laughs> listening to it. <laughs> so so in Deep Blue Sea, <laughs> what we have is a movie where they they genetically engineer sharks to make them smart. Samuel Jackson gives one of the most rousing inspirational speeches you'll ever see, and then a shark eats him immediately. <laughs> they blow up the sharks at the end, and then the movie closes on a song where LL Cool J is rapping about how his hat is like a shark's fin. It is, there is all kinds of stupid in this movie, but it is incredibly entertaining. Yeah. Oh, I want to, I've got two to close out that I'm really, really struggling with. And your deep blue sea really may, makes me want to go one way. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Lake Placid. Oh, that's a good one, too. Yeah. It's a good one. I mean, that bitty white feeding a cow to a giant <laughs> alligator. <I mean. laughs> Lake Placid's a better movie than Deep Blue Sea, but Deep, <laughs> deep Blue Sea is just off the wall and stupid in ways that I just love. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, Lake Placid's good. Okay. So this is round ten, right? We're done now, right? This is yeah. This is the last one. So all right, I, I don't I don't math. So, um, man, I'm gonna go dumb comedy. I'm gonna snipe Sammy. I bet I'm gonna go superstar. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is incredibly dumb, but it's entertaining. It's Will Ferrell as the cool guy in school, which is really hard to buy. <laughs> but Molly Shannon takes one of like her probably her best known character from SNL. They blow it up into a movie, and it's it's a not all of the '90s SNL movies work. I think this would work really well. Um, there's stuff that's hard to buy. Like nobody's even close to the age of the character they're actually portraying. I mean, there's I mean, there's there's stuff you gotta like squint at. But it's just a really entertaining movie. It's just it's just really funny. Like five o'clock shadow high school. 
Oh, I say, and you get to close this out. Oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. Which one are we going to go with? Um, let's go maybe a little bit of rom-com. You know, we've been all over the place. We mentioned a lot of off-the-wall stuff. Um, I'm going to go with Never Been Kissed with Drew Barrymore. Love Drew Barrymore, yeah. Um, this was at the, the, that, that moment where, like, I just I just was infatuated with Drew Barrymore. There was just something about her. And then she, you know, she had the the movie with uh, Jimmy Fallon about the Boston Red Sox. And and you just, you know, there was this line of movies with her. And, and like I said, I was right at that that perfect little little age there. And, and just I was just infatuated with Drew Barrymore at that moment. So she never great. She had a great resurgence after uh, her early 80s, uh, mid-80s mm-hmm. struggles uh, and uh, continues to stay with her uh, her television show and things. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. I thought you were going Notting Hill. You know, it was on my list. It didn't make my top 20. It didn't make uh, my top 20, but it was on there. Yeah, it was terrible. in the top 40. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's how good 99 is. Yeah. It's a top yeah. 40. Yeah, I had a top forty, narrowed it down to twenty, and that's as far as I could get it. So. Yeah. And and listeners, if you stuck with us for this long, do yourselves a favor and just Google nineteen ninety nine movies, and just enjoy the greatness uh, that that is presented to you in those uh, internet pages uh, that I'm sure is streaming in quite a few places. If you don't have it on the shelf somewhere. All right, gentlemen, we wrap this thing up. I think we are. All right. Well, thank you all for our little foray into uh, some side discussion uh, from the regular show. Hope you enjoy. And please stay tuned to your podcast listening device of choice.